0: We're in a series called Fear Not. We're looking at the Christmas story through the eyes of some individuals who had encounters with messengers from God or angels throughout the Christmas stories. Angels were involved because something amazing from God was about to happen. The incarnation, uh, the Son of God, taking on a human body, incarnate God in flesh, was about to happen. Uh, A world-changing cataclysmic event that was going to change everything forever. It was going to shake the entire universe and all that is. And so God sent his messengers uh, to prepare the way, to ready uh, certain individuals, because what they would need to do, how they would need to respond was going to be different. And so this week, fear not, we look at the story of some shepherds, who were the first to hear of the coming of the Messiah that he had been born. God chose to announce the coming of his son to some shepherds who, uh, as you probably heard, were some of the least likely individuals to hear this news. And as they had an encounter with an angel, I think they had to grapple with something that we all have to grapple with at some point. And oftentimes it's what keeps us maybe even from entering in a relationship with God. And that is that we have this fear when we encounter God we have this fear of being known, that who we are really inside is going to be known, and we're going to be known to the one, the God who we stand before. Can you remember in your life? You're going to have to go back away, some of you. The time, the first time you can remember that you did something, that after you did it, you thought, I am in big trouble. Can you remember the first time? Uh, I don't know if I can remember the first time. Um, it's probably far too many for me to remember the first time, but but when I was a kid uh, in grade school, I don't remember exactly how old, but uh, as a, a church, the church we attended was, uh, it, was it was a growing church. Uh, my dad was in seminary back in Indiana, and so we uh, had a church event at a at a some type of an event facility, right? Uh, some type of a, I don't know where it was, but we were at this event center and we we're having this event, and there was a meal, so everybody had eaten uh, a meal, and and now. After the meal, there was something that uh, usually kids kind of dread, these kind of things. There was some adult stuff going on. And so they're talking. Somebody was up front talking about something uh, that I didn't really care a lot about, couldn't get interested in, right? And so somehow there was a group of us boys that made our way to the bathroom. You know, we said, hey, mom, dad, got to go to the bathroom. I don't know how we coordinated it, but there was, <laughs> there was like three or four of us in there, maybe five, and we're in the bathroom. And so uh, we're doing our thing, and we're, uh, we don't want to go back to the adult time meeting, and so we're kind of messing around, and one of us, can't remember who, figured out that um, he could climb up on this sink that was in the bathroom, and I think there was a mirror there probably, and he probably did something stupid and goofy that kids, little boys think is hilarious, right? But everybody else is like, what are you doing? So anyway, uh, he did something there, and we all thought it was great, so everybody had to do it. And So the next uh, little boy climbs up on the sink and does it, and we're all laughing and, and having a great time, and it went down the line, and finally it was my turn. And I got up on the sink, and when I did The sink gave way. It crashed to the floor, went in a million pieces. And I knew, along with all of us, that we were in big trouble. And so uh, we quietly, um, single file, exited the bathroom and went back to sit with our parents, acting as though nothing had happened. What we didn't know is that everyone could hear the crash from the bathroom, and they were all like, what happened? So I don't remember getting in big trouble, but boy, I thought I was going to. Maybe you can remember a time like that uh, in your life. Maybe you can remember more than one. Um, But the truth is that uh, as we look at the encounter that the angels have with, or or that the shepherds have with an angel today, um, this idea, this fear that they experience, part of it, I think, is the fear that we all have when faced with God or representative of God. And that is, I'm in trouble. Can you remember the first time that you felt maybe convicted that you were a sinner? Maybe you heard the gospel message and you knew that, um, that because of Adam and Eve, that we live in a world full of sin and that you as an individual had made decisions to be disobedient to God. And that because of that, you were going to face the judgment of God. And that you needed to do something about that to find forgiveness. Or you would face judgment and you would, uh, you would be punished right? And uh, and so I don't know if you've ever come to that point in your life or if you can remember a time where you felt that conviction, but I know for me, I was five years old. I was at a vacation Bible school in the summer, and Sharon Whitworth was my teacher, and she explained to our class the situation we're in. And she said, listen, um, uh, you have sinned. And I mean, at five years old, I could think of some sins. I knew uh, that I had done wrong, right? And and so I knew that. And, and she said, listen, uh, you're on a path to face judgment of God, which will result in you spending eternity in hell separated from him if you don't find forgiveness in and through Jesus. And so she shared that. She said, if anybody wants to stay after, stay after. And I did. Now listen, um, I wanted certainly, I didn't want to face judgment in hell. Okay. But also I had a desire to get right with God. And at five years old, I knew I didn't want to live in opposition to God. I wanted to have peace with God. I wanted to have a relationship with him and I wanted to live for him, not against him. And so I don't know if you can remember if you've ever come to that place in your life, but I certainly know this, that if you get a vision of who God is, you get a sense of who you are, okay, and how you live in opposition to God before you come into a relationship with him through Jesus, that that, that encounter with God, that sense of where we stand before God it will drive us to our knees, whether it's physically or um, in our hearts and minds, and a sense of um, of impurity, a sense of not being right. I don't know if you have read the story of Isaiah, but Isaiah had a vision of God and God's throne room, and it immediately made him aware of his sin, his impurity. He said, "Woe to me! I am an, uh, an unclean man with unclean lips." Right? He recognized. Um, his sin, and, and that's what happens when we encounter a holy God. Typically part of what we experience or feel is a fear of judgment. You know, there's a lot of fear. Um, we, we have so much fear as a, as a group of people that we put names to some of the fear and they're, they all end in phobia, right? Mysophobia, the fear of dirt. Fortunately, I don't have that one. Hydrophobia, the fear of water. Don't have that one either. Nyclophobia, the fear of darkness. I I did have that one when I was a kid, for sure. Acrophobia, the fear of high places. On and on and on, right? All these phobias. As a human race, we're so good at being scared of things that probably are a little bit irrational. We probably shouldn't be as scared of them as we are. And not being scared of the things we should be. Not being fearful of facing God at the end of our days. And knowing that we're gonna give an accounting for what we've done. I guarantee you that these shepherds, as they were putting in a night shift, watching sheep, again, not the, uh, not the most upstanding group, not the most law-abiding, not exemplary of the, of the best in society at the time, but they are the ones that God chose to come and reveal himself to and to share the message of what he had done on the earth. And there's a reason for that, because these guys would know when they had an encounter with a holy, righteous messenger from God, they would recognize the importance. They would know in a moment how important it was what God was doing for them and for all of humanity. See, when we have an encounter with God, as these shepherds did, a messenger from God who comes to meet with us, when we have an, an encounter with God where we hear about what God has done and who we are, right, who God is, and and uh, and, and this... this um, the fear that we face, one of the fears we face in, in really engaging God oftentimes is this fear of being exposed. That who we really are is going to be revealed. It's going to be rolled out on a scroll so everybody can see. And God himself is going to know everything about us. In Luke chapter two, where we're going to be reading this morning, starting at verse eight, here's how our story goes today. That night, There were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Have you ever been caught? Okay, uh, my story from a kid, we've all done things we thought we were going to get in trouble for. Maybe they were accidents, like breaking the sink. But have you ever been caught in sin? caught doing something you knew was wrong, you knew you weren't supposed to do, you'd been told, you knew God says it's wrong, you knew the people around you say it's wrong, but you continue to do it and you were caught. How about stealing? Probably some of us have. Sexual immorality, sleeping with somebody outside of marriage, lying, looking at porn, cheating, speeding, (laughs) manipulating a situation or people, indulging where we shouldn't being lazy when we should be working hard. What words describe how we feel when we get caught? Maybe shamed or ashamed, embarrassed. We feel foolish, maybe humiliated, exposed, guilty, right, convicted. There was a salesman who was out on... uh, uh, After his business doing what he was supposed to do and he'd made a connection with a large business and he had had the opportunity to, uh, he was having the opportunity to submit a quote for a large job. And so uh, this was a great opportunity and um, as some salesmen do, he struggled a little bit with um, probably doing things the way he should do uh, or he should have done ethically. And so here he is in this situation, he's in the business manager's office of this uh, large company, he's ready to submit his proposal, his bid. And uh, as he's standing in there waiting, he notices on her desk uh, a bid from the the competitor competition, right? Now, you know if you've ever been in sales that you're really not supposed to know what the competition's quote or bid is, right? Ethically, you're supposed to present yours based on what you're willing to do and able to do as a company. And then fairly, the two are measured by the customer and they make a decision, right? Well, he sees the quote there on the desk and he's feeling you know, the the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other, right? Uh, you should look at it, that's gonna help. You're you gonna know what you're up against. No, you shouldn't look at it, that's wrong. And so he's wrestling with the decision there. And, uh, and so finally kind of gives in, he starts to read it upside down because he developed that ability. And so he's reading it upside down and he gets down to where the, the numbers would be on the page. But there's a can of juice right on top of the numbers. And he's like, oh man, I know I probably shouldn't. I've got to, I've got to get this job. This will make my whole year. And so in a moment of weakness, he grabs the can, lifts it up, and a thousand BBs go all over the room. That business manager had set him up. He was caught. Maybe you've been caught doing something that you know is wrong. You know you aren't supposed to do. I believe that's part of what these angels experience in all sincerity, an angel shows up in the midst of them in the middle of the night. It's dark. They can't, you know, they're, they're not expecting anything to happen. This group of kind of probably uh, blue collar, roughneck, lonely, overworked, underpaid men, you know, um, capable of doing some things that probably shouldn't be done or they wouldn't do if their mom was there. And, and so in the midst of these guys, as they're hanging out on this hillside at night doing their job, an angel shows up and appears amongst them, a representative of God, holy and pure and powerful in brilliant light. And he reveals himself to them. And I know in that moment, they're filled with fear. They're terrified at what's gonna take place. Why is this angel, this messenger here, coming face to face with the holiness of God the character of God will slam you to your knees. It will, uh, it will shake you with, with what is coming and how you, uh, who you are in relation to God and who you should be. The fourth evangelist, John wrote in his gospel, he wrote it this way, starting in John verse uh, chapter 3, verse 16. "For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. But people loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come into the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Darkness hides our sin and we like to have our sin hidden, don't we? I mean, let's be honest, we do. We don't really like it to be exposed. Sometimes, when it is exposed, we get defensive and angry. We push back. We fight against that shame that we feel. Sometimes we just feel um, humiliated, embarrassed. We don't like really to be reminded of our sin when we're doing things that God says are wrong. We like to think that somehow. When we stand before God, it's going to be kind of like going to court in our day and standing before the judge, and we'll be able to argue our case. We think that we're going to stand before God and argue as to why, yeah, God, I know that you might have said this in the Bible, but it really isn't what you think. I know it isn't, and here's what it is, and we like to think that's how it's going to go down. The truth is, though, that when we stand before God, there will be no arguing. We'll have nothing to say. The standard is set, and it's based on who he is. It's not based on what he thinks is good. It's based on his character and nature. It's immovable, it's unchangeable and you and I will be held accountable to his standard. The shepherds were exposed this night, rightfully fearful of what the presence of an angel would mean and yet the angel didn't come to bring a message of judgment. The purpose of his coming was to bring something different from God. Something that would help them overcome the fear that being exposed produces. The fear that comes next after we have the fear of being exposed, once that happens, the next fear we have is the fear of judgment. Luke chapter 2, let's continue reading in verse 10. But the angel reassured them Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. The angel brings a message very different than anything they expected to hear. It would not have even been a reference point to them, probably, in all likelihood, that this was even a possibility. The truth is they, the same as we, fear judgment we all have a sense of our guilt if we sit for a moment and we ponder long enough we know who we are at the core of our being we know what we're capable of we know what we've done we know the things that no one else knows about we know the things that we hope nobody else knows about we carry that weight we walk through life with that weight we have, because we have a sense of guilt we get jumpy When we think we might get caught or held accountable for something that we know we've done that's wrong. I know as a kid, I was pretty acutely aware. Usually before, during, and after I did something I wasn't supposed to do, right? I was pretty acutely aware. And I hope that today as an adult, I remain sensitive to the conviction that God brings. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit dwells within us as followers of Jesus. And part of his role is to convict us. Because frankly, we're not always aware of the areas in our life where we're not living up to God's standard. We're not doing what God wants of us and requires of us. And so part of our job is to recognize that standard. It's to learn and to grow to understand the measure by which God is going to hold us accountable. What he expects of us. Um, on our trip out east, we went to see our grandson, as I think I've shared with you guys, and uh, we got a chance to see this uh, precious little baby that's come into our family, and we're blessed, and he's doing great. Um, all the things you're supposed to do as a baby, he's got them covered, and so that's awesome. Um, sometimes a little more than his parents wish he was. You know, he's pretty active at the eating and the filling the diapers part. But, you know, every parent's like, gee, could we slow down on this a little bit? But, um, but anyway, doing great, but we went out to see him, and as a part of that trip, we got to go to the Museum of the Bible, and this is a museum that's been created in Washington, D.C. that represents the history of the Bible, how we got the Bible. It's just a fascinating, um, would recommend it to anybody to go see where the Bible's come from, and so much, uh, some archaeological evidence, and all this stuff, and, and you know, one floor in the Museum of the Bible had some displays reflecting the impact the Bible has made on people's lives. And uh, we got to go into a number of those, but one of them was the impact the Bible has had on those that are in prison. And so we went in and, and audio playing of a man's testimony. And he says, you know, um, I got thrown in prison and I got thrown in prison for murder. And he goes, the way that happened was the, the neighborhood or the city I grew up in was a violent, uh, it was a violent culture. And there was gang activity and I belonged to a gang and there was a rival gang. And in, in one instance, Uh, The rival game came came and killed one of uh, my gang members. And so a group of us went to seek retaliation, revenge, which is what we did. And so we killed that gang member who had had killed our guy. And he goes, I was caught in the midst of that, arrested, and ultimately thrown in prison. He said, I really didn't understand why I was in prison for that. It's like, it's just the way we are. It's the way the culture that I grew up in, that's what we do. What's wrong with it, right? He didn't understand. (laughs) Might seem kind of crazy to us, but right? What are those areas that we think are okay but God says are wrong? We all have those areas. And for him it was just, it wasn't until he started to encounter the scriptures and read through God's word that he discovered that the God who created us, the first law code that that God gave, right, in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. And he recognized that the standard that God has for his people was different than the standard by which he was raised. God's word God's presence brings that conviction and we all need that. We need to be growing and learning and to discover new things every day that God wants to teach us regarding the way he wants us to live. The shepherds are exposed in this moment and the fear of being judged is the next fear that they had because that's always what comes after being exposed. As we go through this life, we have that sense as well. That if we, like the shepherds, are exposed before God, we're going to face judgment and impending doom. And unless we deal with our situation, we can live our entire lives with that haunting feeling that we're going to get called into God's courtroom at any moment and we're going to be in big trouble. Years ago, a poll was done for the Times Mirror Company about this topic and what they discovered was that more than four out of every five Americans agree that we all will be called before God at judgment, uh, at judgment day to answer for our sins. So there's a kind of a consciousness in our culture. Maybe that's diminishing a little bit, but I think there's still a pretty uh, strong sense in our culture that we're gonna give an accounting someday before God. It's interesting that some of us really don't like to yield when we have that sense of guilt or hearing that there's something we shouldn't do. We like to argue with it, push back. And there's some room for some debate on some topics. But the standard of God is pretty clear. The interesting thing is for our shepherds, though, God wasn't coming. Again, the angel wasn't coming to bring a message of judgment. Instead, he was bringing a message of hope for the human race. A savior has come, the angel said. A a savior who's going to bring forgiving and not judging at this time. And so the angel told them how they would find this baby. I can imagine that uh, what was running through their minds at hearing the message the angel had brought them took a minute for them to register. And maybe before they recognized that this wasn't a time where they were going to get in trouble, right before they had a chance to really connect with what the angel was saying they also had a fear that flashed before them. The fear of being exposed, the fear of judgment, and what comes next is the fear of God's wrath. Luke chapter two, let's continue reading in verse 13. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angel refers to glory to God in highest heaven, that phrase, what it refers to is the absolute requirement that all of God's creation reflect his character and his nature. That's why as human beings we're held accountable for our sin where we do not live up to God's standard. The reason is that God's created us in his image. In fact, all of this universe was made by God. And so it it, it by nature must reflect him, his character, and his nature and yet it doesn't because Adam and Eve chose to sin, they chose to disobey, and each one of us has chosen to disobey and to go against God's standard, then we don't reflect God. As this angel appears on the hillside to these shepherds, the angel is the only one that really is reflecting God and his character and his nature. And so the truth is, this universe was made by a holy God and it must glorify him. It must reflect back to him who he is. And yet because of sin, it does not. Yet we as human beings were made with an eternal component. Our soul, our spirit will live forever. Bible teaches us that we're made in God's image. Um, When we die, we don't cease to exist, but the internal aspect of who we are goes on. And we're going to exist somewhere for all eternity. This is why it was so urgent that God would do something. He would move to act on our behalf because on our own, we could not deal with our sin without being um, banished to pay for it for all eternity. It's the only option. There isn't anything we're able to do. And so God himself moved to bring salvation. Hebrews nine twenty seven and 28 says, just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. After we die and we leave this life, we will face judgment. The Bible makes it clear. That judgment is final and binding and eternal. If we don't fear God's wrath, if we don't fear this judgment, it's because we're pretending like some of my kids did when there was a test coming, right? We just pretend there was no test coming. Then you have to worry about it. We can play that way. We can bury our heads in the sand and pretend that there isn't a day of accounting coming, but there is, and we all know it. The picture of final judgment in the Bible is terrifying. Revelation 20 gives us a picture of what, what it will look like in the end of times. It says this way in, Re- in Revelation 20, starting in verse 10. Then the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented. Listen, they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's what happens in the, in, the, uh, in the lake of fire. It goes on in verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake, this lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. The Bible makes it clear that hell was not created for humans. It was created for the devil and the demons that rebelled against God. And yet for us as a human race, if we don't respond to the salvation that God offers, there will be no other judgment fitting for us. And so even though God didn't create it for us, he will banish us there. If we will not do what the angels said was possible, This angel that appears amongst these shepherds says, there is peace on earth available, peace coming for those on whom God's favor rests. So the question becomes, how do I become one of those people who who has the favor of God? I can imagine their minds wheeling and whirling with all that was being presented to them. Far too much. They would have known an angel, a representative of God, I'm fearful because I've been exposed. Judgment's coming and that judgment's gonna produce wrath. And yet the angel says, in a moment, it's not why I'm here. I came to bring an offer of peace with God. A savior, a Messiah has come into the earth. God himself has moved to change our status, to offer us a way of escape. For we all have been in the position of being enemies with God. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. Following, listen, the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. The human condition is not good. We can pretend, we can get distracted by the shiny stuff in this life, and we can go through it having fun and pretending there isn't any judgment coming and we're not in trouble, but we know that we're facing judgment. If we stop for a minute in the quiet moments when we have just with ourselves in the quietness of our hearts and minds, we know that it's coming. Are you ready? Have you responded to the offer that God makes that instead of a future that has no hope, there is a future that is hopeful? See, the shepherds must have had a fear as they knew that they'd been exposed and that meant judgment and that meant facing God's wrath. That is a hopeless condition. And yet the angel's message challenges that fear that there is no hope with the offer of hope from God. Let's uh, read this last bit of our passage this morning, Luke 2, starting in verse 15. When the angels had returned from, uh, to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, these men in a moment are thrown and moved through a process of fear to a place of jubilation, of celebration. Because the truth is God had moved and though they went to verify as you would do, this message of hope, they went to verify that what the angels were saying, that it actually was true, that there really was a baby that they would find wrapped in claws, lying in a in a feeding trough, they had to go see because this was too good of a message. It was too good to know that God, instead of bringing judgment, which they all feared, had instead brought a savior to the world. I wonder where you're at this Christmas 2021. Have you ever stopped for a moment and acknowledged your condition before God? Again, you can pretend it's not there. You can say, oh, that's just a story. The Bible's not true. You can do whatever you want. You can continue to deny, right? But it's true. You know it's true in your heart. And the the, the question is, rather than to deny and to work around, how about stopping for a moment and just doing business with God? How about responding to the gift, to the offer of salvation? God's intention is not to judge you for all eternity, right? That you would face that punishment. But instead, it's that you would be saved that you be connected to him. You know, the truth is, just like I kind of recognized at five years old, it isn't just about salvation and not spending eternity separated from God. It really is about responding to the relationship God wants to have with you. He loves you, he created you, he wants to walk through this life with you. He doesn't want you to go through this life alone, disconnected, trying to find your own way. He loves you so much that God himself came to earth took on human body. We call it the incarnation. God became flesh. Jesus, that baby in a manger, as we sing about and talk about at Christmas time, was 100% God and 100% man. The incarnation, the miracle that God became flesh. The reason it matters is he had to be 100% man or he couldn't live, grow up, live among us, walk among us, and ultimately he couldn't die because only a man can die. God can't die. And he had to be all God so that his death could bring salvation. It could cover our sin. God has paid for your sin. Have you received his gift? Have you invited him into your life? Have you confessed where you're at before him and acknowledged your need to be made right with him? You will not have peace in this life until you find peace with God. My prayer is that you would take this Christmas season to get right with God, whatever that means. If it means entering a relationship with him for the first time and saying, God, I need you, I want you in my life, would you come in and heal me and bring life into me? Or maybe it's to to repent and turn away from some sin pattern you've been struggling with. I don't know. All I know is there's a God that loves you, that sent his son to the earth to live among us, to reveal to you who he is and to die for you ultimately so you could be saved. Would you bow your head for just a moment? If you're here uh, right now, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you've never put your trust in Jesus as Savior, I want to invite you to do that right now. If you're ready in your heart, I want you to say a prayer. Just talk to God with me for a moment. I'll lead you in a simple prayer that if you say it to God, he will hear you. And it's uh, in, his, in the scriptures, his promises to answer that prayer. And so if you want to trust in Jesus today as Savior, just pray this prayer with me. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I don't measure up to your standard. I know that you sent your son Jesus to the earth to live and to die, to be buried in a tomb and to be raised again to life on the third day, conquering sin and death. And right here, Right now, I put my faith and trust in what Jesus did to pay for my sin. I'm inviting you to come into my life. I want to begin to follow you. God, uh, I thank you for the gift that you delivered for us 2,000 years ago for which we celebrate Christmas, the gift of a savior. And Father, we're scared of being exposed. We're scared of judgment. We're scared of all of that. Or maybe we're angry about it. Maybe we think it isn't fair. Whatever. We have emotional response to it. But the truth is, we just want to be made right with you. And I pray that as a church, Father, we might walk with that message. Those of us who have put our trust in you, that we would be able to encourage somebody else this Christmas season with that gift of salvation that you have made possible for us that you want with every part of your being, you want us all to be saved and to walk with you and to spend eternity with you. And I pray for each person here that that would become a reality this year. Father, continue to move in our hearts. We are so thankful for what you've done for us. Help us to overcome the fear that holds us back, but just to run towards you, to embrace you, and to be made right with you. Pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.